You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. All righty, we're going to jump into this in just a few moments to make your way back to your seats, guys. I'm excited about the Word of God as we get ready to kick off a brand new series just for the month of January. It's called Vision. Everybody say Vision. Come on, say it like you mean it, vision. Whether you're here in Nashville or you're watching online around the world, I want us all to, to not just you know, sit and listen to a message today, but my heart, my prayers that it challenges all of us to you know, leave this space today or this time today or log off today and go home and really, really begin to seek God and write down some things that God is showing you. Uh, for your life for 2024. This is not a spectator moment. It's a participator moment. This is something that God has for you. And so got a couple scriptures we'll start off with. This is in the Old Testament, the book of, uh, no, excuse me, New Testament, book of Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, Old Testament, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Say it like you mean it, Habakkuk. Oh, y'all still, you're not with me. Say it again. Say it till you get it right. Habakkuk? 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 Habakkuk. I mean, no, that's, that's kind of where I kind of left it all. Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Okay? Or Habby. However you want to do it, but it's a great, great portion of the Bible, and we will, uh, I'll give you just a little preface of it, and then we'll dive into uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. But this is where Habakkuk is having an issue with God. Anybody ever have an issue with God? Y'all looking at me all sanctified, like you, you know what I'm talking about, like... You have some complaints against God, like he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do it the way you wanted it done. He didn't show up when, you know, like, God, you told me, but where you at now, you know? And so he's having this issue with God, and God is trying to tell him, hey, you know, I mean, you can never figure out how God's going to work. You just can't. Who has known the mind of the Lord? And so God is trying to tell Habakkuk what he's about to do. And he's like, you know, in, in Habakkuk chapter 1, he's like, hey, I'm about to raise up this, this people that, that are going to be judges over uh, the land. And it's going to be an unruly people, ungodly people. And, and God's going to do this. And, and, and they're going to rule over you guys for a little bit. But then I'm going to flip the script. Everybody say flip the script. And you got to understand that when you're going through moments in your life and you're finding it hard to trust God, you've got to trust God and believe that he's going he's gonna to make sense of it all one day. But say one day. You may not see it when you're going through it, but if God said it, it's going to happen. And he's like, hey, Habakkuk, they're going to come in, and, and for a moment, you're going to feel like, you know, why are all these people, rule, these ungodly people, reigning and ruling over uh, people that love God? And he just couldn't figure it out. And God's like, like, hey, my master plan is going to come to pass one day, and I'm going to flip the script on the ungodly, but you've got to hang in there. So we catch up with him in Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, he says this, I will stand my watch. And set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. Everybody say, watch to see. 
Watch to see what God will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Verse 2, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Everybody say, write the vision. Now, this is where it's our part. This is God speaking to us today. Write the vision. Write the vision. He's giving him a task, an action-oriented task. Hey, I need you to write the vision and make it plain on tablets, not your iPad, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Everybody say appointed time. Now, has everybody, anybody, if you figured out when that appointed time is, anybody, can anybody tell me? We don't know. But it's appointed. Wouldn't it be nice to know when the thing you're believing God for is going to actually come to pass? If we knew it, guess what? It wouldn't take faith to walk it out. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. But wouldn't it be awesome if God's like, hey, I'm working out something in your life and it's going to come to pass on January 15th at 2 p.m. How many of you could work with that? How many of you could work with that? You could work with that. Because guess what? January 15th, 2 p.m., you're going to wake up that morning, you're going to be excited, and you're going to set your, your clock to go off at 2 p.m., to see what God's going to do. But uh, reality, how I many know it just doesn't work out that way? It says, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries. Everybody say tarries. What does that mean? Though it takes a long time sometimes. That's reality. Though it's not, it's not a microwave miracle. It's not going to come when you want it. Though it tarries, wait for it. Wait. Everybody say wait. 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 Nobody likes to wait. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So Habakkuk's caught up on the ungodly people that seem to be ruling and reigning at this moment. And God's like, hey, wait a minute. He's trying to tell him, hey, listen, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just, you got to, the just shall live by faith. And we've got to stay on this course with God as we have crossed into a new year. Or I, I even like to look at it this way. Don't limit yourself to 12 months on the calendar. This is a journey. I mean, no, life is a journey. It's ongoing. Don't limit yourself to 12 months and then say at the end of that 12 months, okay, I got to start all over again. No, it is a journey, but the just shall live by faith. But he gives us an uh, instruction, write the vision, make it plain. The vision is yet for an appointed time. So he's trying to tell us, hey, it's coming. So when you're in your, those moments where God is, is speaking to you, and this is something you and I have to do because going back, Habakkuk said, I will stand my watch and set myself on, my, on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. And, and, and I want to encourage all of us as, as we're into this, the top of this year, 
set yourself in a position, whether that's through worship or just through quiet moments and quiet time with God, where, where you can see him. You're watching to see what he's going to speak to you. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't be uh, uh, this busybody, but you've got to have those moments where you're quiet, you're sitting, and you're watching to see what he's going to speak to you. And when he begins to speak something to you, man, you've got to write that down. Amen. You've got to, I'm not saying you've got to, you've got to write out this long paragraph, but just God may speak a word to you. He may, he may prompt you to do something for somebody. Whatever that is, that's a vision that God is showing you. Now, the word vision, if you're taking notes, I trust you are. You can go back and watch this later on. The word vision means this, the faculty or state of being able to see. It also means the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. The last one I like, I think I like this one above all. The word vision means to imagine. Everybody say imagine. It means to imagine. Now, Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word. That's deep right there, guys. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Where there is no vision, no no, no knowledge or revelation of God or his word. People, one translation says, the people perish. They cast off restraint. There's nothing that's keeping them within the boundaries of that vision. That's why we've got we've to begin to get a vision for our life, the life that God wants for you and I. Y'all with me today? Few of you? <laughs> We got to begin to get this vision because the vision will set boundaries. The vision will empower us. The vision will keep us on track. The, the vision will keep us under restraint. Because here's reality. Listen, if you're walking with God, you can't just do whatever you want to do. You can't just live whatever kind of life you want to live. If you're walking and following after God and God's purpose and plan for your life, and when you understand that, it brings in the restraint on you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me break it down. Have you ever wanted to go off on somebody? But you knew if you did, it was going to not be good for them or you. So you, you did what? You restrained yourself. You restra- now, I know that's, sometimes that's hard to do. But you restrained yourself because you didn't want a bad outcome for that person or for yourself as well. That's the restraint. And I believe when you get a vision from God, God begins to speak instruction to you. God begins to kind of show you a path for you to take. And and you're seeing that. And you begin to write that down and you frame that. It's going to keep you restrained from getting off track. Now, I want us all to go on this journey. This is something we can do together as we take notes, write this down, go home once again, listen to this, and because I've been doing it uh, for the past couple of weeks as pertaining to vision, but I want us to all do this. We said vision, another word for that is to imagine. So the first thing I want to talk about, imagine a life that is totally surrendered 
to God. Imagine a life that is totally surrendered to God. Your life, imagine your life being totally surrendered to God. Under his control, his authority, that life to where you wake up in the morning. Good morning, God. What do you want me to do today? See, a lot of times I believe we, we hit the ground running and we don't even acknowledge God. But if you can, with me, for just a moment, imagine that life, your life, that is totally surrendered to God. Exodus chapter 20, write this down. It's not going to be on the screen, but write this down. As we talk about that life that is totally surrendered to God, this is where God gave people these instructions. He's, Exodus 20 verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. He goes on to say, you must not have any other God but me. Verse 4, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God and a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, that life that is totally surrendered to God, we've got to get to a place where we've got to envision that to where we've got to put some boundaries on ourselves because I believe there's so many, so many opportunities. Everybody say opportunities. opportunities. So many opportunities for us to, to raise up gods on our own or to make things a god in our life. To follow the patterns of the world and we begin to idolize. And, and this, is, this is not some God creating himself and, and saying, hey, I'm this, this God for you to, idol, to, to idolize. But this is us in our humanity will put certain things above God. And so I would never do that. I love God. How many of you guys have a cell phone? Make a cell phone? I tell people this. This is one of the words that God gave me for, for this year. He said, he said less, less screen time, more God time. And I begin to be like, you know, God, I love you. I, and God said, Rick, he said, hey, take out your phone and look at your screen report. I looked at my screen report, and I couldn't use that 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 excuse, oh, but God, you know, I need screen time so I can read my version Bible app. Uh-huh. So God said, hey, bring, get your phone out. Look at the, the, the report that you get every week of how much usage you've had on every app. When I looked at it, I tried to justify myself, but how many know numbers don't lie? And I looked at it. I gave other apps more time than my Bible app. And you say, man, that's, that's cool. No, 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 no. Not if you want to be totally surrendered to God. When God begins to deal with you, I mean, no, that's, a, that's, that's an indication, hey, you've got to tweak that. And there were certain apps on my phone that I'd, I'd spent more time on them. And when I got to my Bible app, I was like, ooh. So I couldn't use that excuse anymore. But I begin to go on this, this journey. Wait a minute. If I want to really be totally surrendered, then I've got to give God my everything. And if there are certain things on my phone that have become a God, 
because they get more of my time. Y'all, y'all tracking with me? Doesn't mean that I'm worshiping my cell phone, but it's getting a lot of my time. When you love somebody, you spend what with them? Time. Time is a huge commodity. When you love somebody, you spend time. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you spend time with that person. And I had to look at some things and, and that were taking the place of God because I was, I was giving them more time than I was giving God. Does that make sense to anybody? Amen or ouch, but I believe if we're going to be a life that is totally surrendered to God, we've got to begin to examine, have we set up any idols or gods above the God, the one and only God? You know, even as we, as we enter into, uh, as the NFL is getting ready to do all these playoffs, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that worship football teams. I'm just being amen or out. I'm just being honest. There's people that will get in a knock-down, drag-out fight <laughs> over somebody who doesn't even know their name, over te- a team that doesn't even know they exist, but all their identity is wrapped up in that. There's people that will, would worship a... Uh, uh, a musician or an entertainer and idolize that. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying go home and, and throw away all your music or your, 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 your sports uh, memorabilia. But what I am saying is imagine your life. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Imagine your life totally surrendered to God. And that's going home with pen and paper, looking at your life, God, what are some things that I need to do right now that puts me on a pathway of being totally surrendered to you? It's not a judgmental message, but it is a message that gets us on track and being totally surrendered to God. Y'all still love me? Give me a hand clap to encourage me. Don't be mad at me. Number two, imagine a life that is crucified with Christ. Uh Uh-oh. Imagine a life that is crucified with Christ. And I believe this is where we've got to envision ourselves and get to that where we can see ourselves uh, understanding that it's not about us. It's never been about us. Imagine a life that is crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It'll be on the screen there. Uh, Love this scripture. It says, this is Apostle Paul talking. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is Paul talking. He says, hey, you know what? When, uh, I think King James says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so we've got to get to a place as we imagine a life that is crucified with Christ, we've got to get to a place where, where we allow the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, in his gentle, loving way to squeeze all of us out of us and fill us with Jesus himself, to squeeze all of us out of us. 
Have you ever met somebody and they were like, I'm not going to change. That's just how Jesus made me. And he knows that. And he still loves me. He loves you, but he may want you to change something too. We've got to get to that place where we squeeze all of us out of us. Matthew chapter 16, love this scripture as well. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, I believe there's world's way and I believe there's God's way. And I think if we're going to be people that are crucified with Christ, imagine, imagine yourself when you get home today and you get pen and paper out. What does that look like to be crucified with Christ, to have all of me out of me and to be filled with God himself? Man, imagine what that life would look like. Imagine what that life would look like. Let's go on that journey right now. What would that life look like if all of you were squeezed out of you and you're filled with Christ? I can imagine we'd, we wouldn't be short-tempered. We'd be quick to forgive. We'd be loving. We wouldn't get easily offended. Amen? When all of us is squeezed out of us. We wouldn't show up at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a gathering or worship service and, 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 and think, okay, man, you know, oh, I hope they play my favorite song. No, that's, that's about you. How many of you love the worship this morning? That was, that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But I didn't show up thinking, man, I hope they play my favorite song. I hope they do. It's not about that. It's not this consumerism mentality. Isn't it something how when you, when you think of the world's way and then God's way, and, and, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I do want to, want to, want to I, I, just, I just feel like when, it, when it's about us, then we can, as Christians, as Christ followers, we can, we can fall into that trap of, of consumerism when it's about us. Just being honest, we can show up, man, I hope, they got, I hope the coffee's there. Well, that's about you, because you passed 20 Starbucks on your way to church. <laughs> Amen or ouch? We can't let this consumerism get into our hearts. It's not about us. But over the years, I've just begun to to, to track my past of what I've come through just being in the, in the church arena. And it's like, you know, this consumer, as the other day I saw a post that really resonated with me. And it's like, man, that's, that's what I've been feeling. We've got to get, as Christ followers, we've got to get all of us out of us. The Bible doesn't say we walk by feelings. It says we walk by faith. Amen. But I saw this the other day, and it kind of just resonated with me. It says, consumerism turned the church into a service provider. Uh-oh. People say, I want good preaching. I want a dynamic speaker. I want amazing worship. I want a great kids or youth program. What do you have for my fa-? People show up 
what do you have for me? Uh-oh. We've seen that. But it goes on to say this. Would we go to church? Just think about this. Imagine this. Would we go to church if it was just a bunch of Jesus followers gathering around the table trying to love God and love neighbors? I know that's the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. But today's culture, man, sometimes it's like, we got to have the right flavor, got to have the right this and right that. No, it's, it's, it's really just, it's, you've got to get all of you out of you and allow Jesus to really fill you up to where you understand it's not about you. You were crucified with Christ. You're still alive, but it's Jesus living through you. Amen? I mean, no, Jesus never promised that you would have a great rest of your life when you said yes to him. I can't, I wish I could find that scripture in the Bible because if I could, I'd be preaching it every single day. But it's not there. He just looked at a bunch of people, hey, come follow me. He never promised anything, Richard. He just said, hey, come follow me. But he does talk this talk of there's going to be trials and tribulations and and he goes on to say, you know, but those who endure to the end will be saved. And, 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 and he never promised a great life, but he did promise he'd be with us through life. Every step of the way. And we got to get to this point where we're not moved. We're not swayed. We're not showing up in his presence with this, this all about me mentality. But it's no, I've been crucified with Christ. Anybody ever have your feelings hurt over something? Yeah, we're people, we're human. And that puts us on that journey. Envision a life or imagine a life that is crucified with Christ. And so I encourage you and implore you all, go home and really spend some time in his presence. God, I want to imagine my life being crucified with you. What what does that life look like? That's going to be different for everybody because only you know you, the real you. Not the you that we put on social media. But the real you, what does that look like if it's totally crucified with Christ? Amen? Y'all still with me? Third one, and then we'll wrap it up. We'll be finished. I'm going to get the worship team back up. We'll close out with this one. But I love this one. And and we may, may, uh, because I'm going to be doing these for the next two weeks after this. So if I don't finish it, I'll, I'll jump back into it. But... The third one is, imagine a life that makes an impact for God's kingdom, that makes an impact for God's kingdom. What would that life look like, I wonder? What would that life really look like if it's making an impact? What is that life doing? And I can't answer that for you, but only you can answer that. What would your life look like if it's really making an impact for the kingdom of God? And I believe when we ask the Holy Spirit on an individual basis, Show me how I can make that impact. Show me what I can be doing to make an impact. Because I believe when you are crucified with Christ and you understand that it's not about you, I believe that positions you to allow God to use you at every level that he wants to use you. Because you're crucified, you're not going to get offended when people reject your Christianity. 
You're not going to get offended when you, when you try to talk to somebody about Jesus. You know, you know why a lot of people don't witness? Not so much as, you know, we, use, we, use, we say this, but it's just to try to make us feel better. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to put anybody in an awkward position if I talk to them about Jesus. No, what you're really meaning is I don't want them to reject me and I don't want to have hurt feelings. But if you're crucified with Christ, y'all tracking with me? You can't get your feelings hurt. If you're crucified with Christ, Jesus constantly told his disciples, man, if they reject you, he said, do what? What did he say? Shake the dust off and go on to the next place. Y'all give me a moment. (laughs) I can put this shoe back. I got to keep my balance here. (laughs) Okay. Make sure I don't hurt myself. I did it. But imagine that life that makes an impact for God's kingdom. In Acts chapter 17, there's a story where there's a man by the name of Jason housed Paul and I believe it was Paul and Silas uh, housed them and hid them in his house uh, because the evil men were after these, uh, these Christ followers. And when they found out that Jason was hiding them in the house uh, in Acts chapter 17, It says this uh, in verse 6. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Talking about the, the disciples of Christ. They label them, Rick, as men that have turned the world upside down. And I believe... If we can imagine a life that is totally surrendered, crucified with Christ, I can only imagine how God can use us to turn this world upside down. I know this world needs Jesus. People all around us need Jesus. How can God use us? And it's not so much as to say, oh, I got to get that person into the, to the four, four walls of the church. No, we are the church. I believe there's people you can impact that will never, ever even don the door of a church building. But they'll come in contact with you. The only Jesus they may ever see is in you. Amen? Get a vision for what God, what does God want to do in your life? That's where it starts. Now, we've got some other... uh, Next couple of weeks, I'll be talking on some different subjects, but I wanted to kick this off with get a vision for the life that God has for you. What does that look like? Through his word, going back to Habakkuk, he said, I will watch and see what he will speak to me. I will watch and see what he will speak to me. We've got to carry out that plan. We've got to write it down. We've got, to, we've got to go through the ups and the downs. But you know what? It says that vision will come to pass. It won't tarry. It's going to happen. Get that vision for what God has for you. And guess what? Going back to I'm crucified with Christ. I think a lot of times we, we think God just wants to 
to bless us. And it's, it's, no, it, the only reason God will bless you is for his kingdom. Does that make sense? Only reason God will elevate you is for his kingdom. It's not so you can sit there and say, oh man, look at me, look at all this I've accomplished. You know, you, you ever see athletes or uh, people in the music industry uh, when they use their platform for Jesus? Does that impress anybody? Is it like, wow, that's, that's, that's a young man that's always talking about the platform that God has given him, and he's going to keep preaching the gospel with that platform. And it's like, that's why God blesses you. That's why God elevates you. That's why God increases you. Not so you can just sit back and say, oh, look at all this stuff I have. No, it's, it's to be a blessing. It's to, it's to point people to the kingdom. Amen? Yeah. I believe that with all my heart. But that's a life that is totally surrendered. Because when you're surrendered to God, listen, we, you know, we sing about it often, you know, nothing else matters but Jesus, but let's really get there. I challenge each and every one of us, let's get to that place where, where earthly things don't even matter. It's all about Jesus. Life that's surrendered, crucified with Christ. God used me to impact this world. This help anybody today? Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.